Welcome to Campus Life, the college half of our flagship podcast here at Campus DeCanton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. We are back. It is, I want to confidently say this. Someone will DM me and tell me that their league is not like this, but it should be playoffs for pretty much every college side league out there. Um, So congratulations to everybody who has made the playoffs. Double congratulations for everybody that has a bye this week. And if you didn't make your playoffs, well, that's okay, guys, because what we're going to do over the next six months is help you get that roster into tip-top shape. Um, so, yeah, stick with us here. We got some some names for tonight to talk about, and then uh, that, that, that'll be a main topic come uh, January 1st, I'm sure, here at Campus to Camp. Yeah, absolutely. Stick with us throughout the offseason. We'll get your roster and fight in shape and you'll go from missing the playoffs to playoffs. Guaranteed. Oh, guaranteed. Guaranteed. Calling throughout the G word. Freaking Joe Namath out here. Guarantee uh, it. You stick with us. Uh, or the, we'll yeah, get or the, the, uh, the, the, wear, the suit warehouse guy. Yeah, that could be you. The you know, suit I like the way your team guy? looks. I guarantee it. Um, oh, men's warehouse. Men's warehouse. Yeah, I kind of think that. Um, I don't even are those commercials still on. I don't watch like normal TV anymore. I, I yeah, I don't. Few, few I don't either. And honestly, I mean, we're we live in PA, so I don't know about you, but every commercial I've seen on every streaming app has been about the elections, and I am so ready for that to be over with. I was home visiting my parents this past weekend, and there was literally uh, after the World Series game ended, the the game. Uh, what was it? Six. That, that yeah, I think six. One. Um, there were four straight political ads Ugh. back to back to back to back. And my, my mom lost it. She was like, turning this shit off. Yeah. Um, I wanted, I wish they would show the losing team after the game so I could watch them cry, man, Philly, you pooped the bed this weekend. And it was quite frankly, one of the best weekends I've had in a very long time. Um, just a good one overall. Um, yeah, you know what else? Union. His yeah. union going down too. Yeah, it sure did. You know who else had a good weekend? I don't know who it was, but somebody won our Jackson Smith and Jigba oh, yes. signed jersey. Uh, uh, Patty, he was in the he's Patty. in the Discord. Awesome! I'm sure he'll listen to this too. Congratulations, Patty! I know you've been around chatting with us everywhere, and I think you've been a member for a while. So I'm glad to see that you won that one. We still have one jersey to give away, guys. One more jersey, and this is the granddaddy of them all. This is a Bijan Robinson Texas jersey here that we are giving away. For those that need a short reminder, there are three ways that you can get entered to win this jersey, and you can do all three. You can get three entries into win this sucker. The first one, guys, and the easiest one, just give us a rate and review on, on Apple Podcasts or, or Spotify. Uh, those reviews really, really help us. Uh, kind of get up the board, a little more visibility to some of our podcasts, um, help us grow the college football, you know, fantasy type industry. So um, go ahead, do that. I'll take you 30 seconds and then just DM us either on Twitter at Campus Ducanton or or via email, Campus Ducanton at gmail.com, uh, your review, just so we, we have somebody to contact. Uh, otherwise, we kind of have to hope that you hear us uh, call your name out. Second, you can picks and when you sign up for a, a uh, membership there promo code c2c that's just you know letter c number two letter c uh deposit at least twenty dollars you're going to get initial deposit match actually up to a hundred dollars so if you want to go the full way with that you can um you'll also get 29.99 toward any memberships here at 
campus to Canton. So that would pay, for instance, for a year long at our uh, walk-on tier. You can also put it toward a, a scholarship or an NIL membership. Uh, so go ahead and do that. And uh, we give out a lot of picks, and we've been last four we've been or five hot. weeks. We've been hot. Um, we've been so hot. I did get a I got a push last week with Malachi Corley with the six receptions. But if you tailed the other uh, plays that I said about in that game with uh, his yardage, which, like. He crushed that. David Davis beat his yardage prop. Austin uh, Reed crushed his. So I count that as as a win. Plus, I hit my I hit my other one too. So, uh, in fact, it's actually funny. We had somebody tune in to on better our sport better sports show, which I'm going to talk about here in a second, and ask us the question. We gave him some props, and they all hit, and he won a bunch of money. Um, signed up with us, so uh, hey, that's how it goes. Go. That's how it goes. Um, and so he's now a member with us, and uh, he's also entered to win uh, twice for this Bijan jersey because he called into our Better Sports show, and that is the third way to enter here, guys. We do a radio show on the Better Sports Network every Saturday morning, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern. Um, you can join. It's usually some combination of Chris Moxley, myself, Felix Sharp, or Matthew Bruning. Uh, you can call in at any time. The line is always open. Give us a call. We love to have Yawn chat about, you know, it's, it's all betting in college football. So you call in and, and give us your thoughts on anything we're talking about. Um, and that gives you your third and final entry. So three ways to win that Bijan Robinson jersey. We're giving it away this week, actually, on our Better Sports show um, that uh, this Saturday, again, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m., uh, probably toward the end of the show, if I had to guess. Uh, haven't haven't drawn up the plans yet. But uh, so go ahead and do those things, guys. Get in on this Bijan Robinson jersey. Um, and, uh, better sports, but to, to call in, you just have to download the app, better sports, B E T T O R download the app. Doesn't make you pay for anything. It, it, it's free. It takes three minutes of your day. Yeah. You know, if you're up that early too, great way to start the morning, get a little cup of coffee, you know, um, it's hit or miss for me, whether I'm ever up that early, but I know a lot of people I, out there are earlier risers than me. I, I like my beauty sleep. I'm not going to lie. I have not been enthused at getting up at 6 45 AM uh to hop on that show uh the mornings have been on 6 45 a.m sure starts at eight right get up showered i like to be on by like 7 30. yeah uh, that's when that the producer kind of opens everything up and, and the one time that i was on i got up at like 7 15 snoozed it a couple of times you know well so here's splash some water you, in the face you can just up. roll out of bed with your hair can't you mm-hmm. um it, it's hit or miss hit or miss but usually i can't so here's my problem, and you've seen my hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, my hair is extremely, you wouldn't necessarily, is extremely thick and extremely wavy slash curly. My hair mm-hmm. afros like a um, <laughs> when I wake up in the morning. It's, it's awful. Uh, so there's literally 0% chance that I can get away with doing a live show uh, That's with my point. hair like that. So I always have to show. It is a visual there's, medium as well. There, yeah. There is zero other option for me unless I just want to look like an absolute doofus. Uh, so... Um, speaking of looking like an absolute doofus, Colin, um, did you cook anything tonight? It, yeah, I don't know why that was the lead into that. That's a little offensive, but you know, <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> what'd you what'd you make for dinner before we hop into this here? Uh, I made a, a pork roast. Um, just you know, kind of just put it in the crock pot. Threw some barbecue sauce in there, a little bit of a mesquite seasoning, a little bit of red pepper flakes, give it a little bit of a kick. Um, threw that in the what and, barbecue and, sauce did you use? What kind of question is that? Sweet this baby rays. Only sweet baby rays. Why, is that supposed f- to be some sort of god tier barbecue sauce, Colin? It's a very oh mid barbecue sauce. It's a good barbecue sauce. 
very mid. The sauce is the boss. I would expect nothing less from the guy that like doesn't eat anything green and like you know like th- this is the fanciest condiment he's at that's ever touched his lips is sweet baby Ray's barbecue sauce. Heinz ketchup, fanciest sauce to touch my lips. Heinz oh, ketchup is top tier. We're still Duke's Mayo people around here. You you Duke's Mayo guy. <laughs> you don't like mayonnaise. Not, at all, I don't yeah. like mayo. I, I don't. Can't do it. Oh man, you're missing out. Love mayo. Um, all right. Well, without further ado, further ado, call. Let's actually talk about some football here. A um, couple of fun topics for us to talk about in the week eight review on a larger scale. And the first one I want to talk about is Clemson. And I think, you know, beyond their loss to Notre Dame this weekend, they lost 35 14. Um, we're never really in this. It was 14 nothing at halftime. They just, they were, they were not threatening at all. The whole offense looked bad. Couldn't get anything really established on the ground. They couldn't sustain drives. DJU looked really, really bad. Um, and so after the, uh, it was like the first or second drive in the third quarter, they benched DJU for anybody that didn't watch this game. And they brought in Kate Klubnick. Kate Klubnick threw one pass. It was not a very good pass. It was intercepted. And then they went right back to DJU and they benched Kate for the rest of the game. So, Colin, this is the discussion I actually want to have in this game. I don't care that Notre Dame won it. Whatever. Clemson's not no chance at the playoff now. I don't care that, you know, Will Shipley had only had 12 touches in this one. I don't, I don't care about any of the receivers. I, I just want to focus kind of on the management of this quarterback situation at Clemson. And we said, how many? How, how short is this leash now for DJU? Apparently, not that short. If he is benched for a second time, and then is thrown back in the game right after one pass, like just very, very bizarre handling of this whole situation here. Yeah, I didn't understand that one. I, I watched that game for College Fantasy tonight. Uh, yeah, I reported on that one for the rundown. And I mean, DJU did not look good. And, you know, Kate Klubnick, obviously in a very small sample size in that one pass threw it way behind the receiver pick six. Um, so, or no, that wasn't the pick six. Uh, that same defender had a pick six later in the game. Yeah. That, that was after that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but so I intercepted and then they put him right back in. I don't understand why you go back to DJU in the same game where you pull him. Yes, I get that Kate Klubnick threw an interception here, but if you pull him after that one interception, you're not even giving him a chance to like settle in, you know, rebound, try and get something going and build up that confidence. His confidence has to be a little shaky after just getting yanked like that uh, for a guy who played terribly before that. So I don't understand what Dabo's doing with this QB situation. Like you said, apparently his leash is maybe a little longer than we thought it was, but then he got pulled. I don't know. It's a confusing situation. I don't. First off, I think we've given Dabo a lot of stick, and I think a lot of it's earned for the record. I think he's done a really poor job of managing his coordinator positions, which at the end of the day is a huge one of the biggest responsibilities that a head coach can have. Saban's actually drawn a little bit of heat this year because it doesn't look like his offensive coordinator or his defensive coordinator are guys that really should be staying there long term. And he's at, he's rightfully gotten some heat for it. But Dabo's managed to get it wrong multiple times in a row at the offensive coordinator position. It's really hurt the development of some of these guys. So I think, you know, the, the way this these games get called, you know, what, what they've got going on there, I think it hurts some of these guys. But they, if you're going to pull a quarterback, you have to stick it out with the guy that you put in that game. It seems like he gave almost no thought to this at all. You were already down 
by a lot at this stage. A lot. Whichever quarterback was in this game, spoiler alert, wasn't going to lead them to victory. Kate Klubnik was not going to lead them to victory. DJ Uyunglele was not going to lead them to victory. Neither of these guys was going to put on a winning performance. You have to start seeing, if you're going to yank this guy, you have to see what the backup can do. It's got to be more than one pass when you bring in a guy cold in the third quarter against a very strong defense that has kind of figured it out as the season has gone on. Like, I just... I, we, it's some, some of the stuff we said about Dabo has been unfair, but I don't think this is an unfair yeah. criticism where he has totally botched this in this entire season. And I'm really interested to see how it plays out because I, if he does this for a whole nother season, it will be another lost season for Clemson. And I'm not sure that if you're Clemson, you can get that mojo back. I mean, so you, I, I think all, all, pretty much all the criticism we've given Dabo, I think is fair. Um, the handling of the quarterback situation, the handling of the uh, offensive and, and well, mostly offensive um, coordinator positions, the way that he recruits the exact same archetype of wide receivers and has no like outside of Antonio Williams, where he who he brought in this year, it's you know no been variation. Their best receiver. Yeah, shocker. Mind um, blown. There's no variation there. The offensive line hasn't been great. The defense has usually still been pretty good. They recruit. The uh, overall fairly well, so it's not all bad with Dabo, but it's not the same Clemson team that we saw in was that's like 2018, 2019. You know, with, with Lawrence and Watson, it's it's clearly not the same team, and, and there's a, a number of different reasons for that. But that being said, I still think this. I, I don't think this is a lost season for Clemson. I still think Clemson escapes this season with that one loss to Notre Dame. I mean, the only others. Uh, spot I think they could lose is the ACC championship game. If they go up against uh, um, UNC and they struggle to keep up with them on the scoreboard because UNC can put up a lot of points. Uh, They also give up a lot of points. So that would be a really interesting one, but that's the only game I see them potentially losing. So I don't know if I would say it's a lost season per se. I think one loss year for Clemson is still pretty good, but Obviously, they, they have they national championship. They can't make the playoff with one loss. They just flat out can't. They would need every team in front of them to lose at least one game and multiple of them to lose two. That's just a, a fact. Like I think, honestly, at this point, a one-loss Clemson. Who's Clemson's best win? NC State without uh, like NC State, Wake Forest. None of these teams are very good. Uh, TCU has a better resume than they do at this point. Even if I think on a neutral field, Clemson probably would beat TCU. I don't feel like so confident in it that I'd be like, well, you know, a, a, a one loss Clemson should be over a TCU team in this playoff. Like, I, I, they shouldn't be over Tennessee. They shouldn't be over Michigan or Ohio State. They shouldn't be over Georgia. They shouldn't be over, uh, I, I'm missing a team. Um, honestly, Oregon. I would put Oregon in over them. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I think Oregon at, at this stage is probably a better team than Clemson is, or at least a more complete team. So, I, this is a lost season from, this, from the perspective that at Clemson, the, the expectation every year is national championship or at least, you know, getting to that game. And they're really or the playoff relatively speaking, not that close to a playoff team. Like this is not a very good Clemson team. It it just isn't. Yeah. I mean, compared to the other teams that we're used to, it's not, I mean, the, the, one of the other biggest takeaways from that game against Notre Dame for me was that front seven from Clemson got shredded on the ground. Um, Notre Dame put up, I think it was like 265, 270 yards on the ground. Um, I think it was like four touchdowns. It was just, they ran all over them. 
Uh, and, you know, obviously this isn't the same Notre Dame team that we saw at the beginning of the year that lost the Marshall. Uh, but so, you know, they are making strides there, but you still wouldn't expect Notre Dame to run all over Clemson like that. I mean, their front seven, their defensive line is one of, if not the best in the country. You know, it's definitely up there. They have some nice linebackers. Jeremiah Trotter Jr. is pretty nice. Um, what's the other one? Trent, Trenton Simpson? Simpson, yeah. Yeah. Trent Simpson solid as well. So they have some, some pieces in that front seven. So I think that was another takeaway here. And again, kind of going back to this just isn't quite the same team that we are used to for Clemson. One final note, and this is not, uh, I'm not making fun of you here, Colin. I just want to correct something that you had said on college uh, fantasy tonight. Uh, you had I'm infallible. That- that Adam Randall had it was no longer a year one zero after this performance. He is. I said I thought. He is. Uh, okay. I think he has like five catches and 61 yards on the year, um, but he did have two catches for 27 yards in this one. So inching uh, ever closer. Uh, He's got to be mark. really close then. I just said what he has. Yeah, well, I don't know what the thresholds are off the top of my head, though. What, are you even invested yards? in this company, Colin? Are you even invested in this, what we're building here? Uh, in, 10 in catches, 100 yards. And what we are building? Yes. In your Ten. theory, your little theory over there? No. 10 catches, 100 yards. He's not going to get there in any of the rest of them. The other ones are all kick return and and, uh, and rushing attempts. That right. He doesn't do either of those things. Um, so those are his two, his two uh, chances to get there. Um, the other one uh, thing I want to talk about real quick here is this Georgia Tennessee game, which is, you know, of course it was, it was probably the biggest game that we're going to see, uh, here this year in college football, um, uh, two top three teams, two undefeated teams, uh, reigning national champion, uh, upstart, uh, Vols squad here, Georgia wins 27, 13. If you're listening to this podcast by now, either, you know, you know how that game ended. Um, but again, you know, not a, uh, uh, necessarily going to talk about the outcome of this game or, you know, how, how it ebbed and flowed. But I want to talk about how this was a little bit of a uh, exposing moment for two names that have kind of been rising up draft boards here, Colin. I want to see if you agree with me here. Hendon Hooker, um, uh, the quarterback here for Tennessee, starting to get some round one buzz. Um, we have talked to a couple people that are adjacent to NFL front offices, and apparently the NFL does not value him that way at all. We've known that for a few weeks. We've said that multiple times over the past few weeks. People don't want to listen to that. Uh, 23 for 33 in this one, 195 yards, no touchdowns, one interception, uh, only 17 yards on the ground as well. So not his best game. Uh, And then the other one is Jalen Hyatt, who had six catches for 63 yards in this one, was clamped down really for most of this game. He did get open once early, and, and Hooker missed him. Um, But they they kept both of these guys really, really quiet. So I, I mean, was this kind of an exposure type game? You put a, you put an actual athletic defense against Hyatt and Hooker, and, and kind of bumped them off of what they like to do, and they just they're gonna have to find some other ways here. Yeah, I think it was. It was definitely an exposure type game here. I mean, we saw this offense uh, and the scheme of this offense be very productive, and in in a numerous in numerous spots. You know, when they were at UCF, um, this the Josh Heupel offense was very good when it was, um, you know, at Baylor in, in Missouri. Like So this offense puts up points, but it's it's I think it's more the offense than than a lot of these pieces that are in it. You know, I, I think Hendon Hooker has some very nice traits. And if he was given time to develop, 
in the NFL, he could turn into a startable NFL quarterback, but you know, things that we touched on, he's 25 years old. I don't know how much time he's going to have to develop there. So that's one problem with hooker. And then with Jalen Hyatt, and we've seen Jalen Rob Jalen Robinson put up these exact same types of stats at UCF. You know, I think there is similar mold of a player here where they are fast. They're, they take the top off a of defense. They're very good at explosive plays, but they don't really offer a whole lot else besides that, you know? So yeah, I think, you know, Jalen Hyatt obviously has some traits that you like, and, you know, he's probably going to run a four, three forty, um, but I don't know what else he does really well beyond that, beyond stretch the field. And I think we saw that in this game where Georgia and Kirby smart, I guarantee you they watched what happened at Alabama and they're like, we're not letting that guy beat us deep. And they didn't, you know, so when you take that away from him, he doesn't really have another, another move to go to. So yeah, I think they both got exposed. We've talked about this a bunch on this show recently, and I actually went on back to Debbie uh, last week with Mike. Wachor yeah, which, by the way, this is your second time invited on that show, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I have not gotten an invite yet. Um, I guess you just haven't really built really meaningful, impactful relationships with the people that work with us, Colin. I just how I, many that, times that's have the you, only explanation that I can think of. How many times have you asked uh, Corey to be on on our show? Corey? Yeah. Mm, well. The thing it's is, Corey's not the one that asked me to come on. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mike. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, I like being the guest on a show like that because it's a, sometimes it's a lot more fun to be the the, the bouncy over the bouncer. Like the oh, idea, I always idea. prefer to be the bouncy. Yeah. Um, so it was nice, and we had a really long discussion on Jalen Hyatt. I think. It was a very measured response for me, maybe more than what you get on this show where I'm a little more, um, you know, I, I'm the bouncer on this show and I was the bouncy on that one. I think there is a balance there. Anyone who's ever done one of these shows knows what I'm talking about. Where Jalen Hyatt has a lot of tools that I think NFL teams will like. I'm not ever going to say anything to the contrary on that one. He's very fast. He's got solid size, you know, six foot, six foot one, that range, 180-ish pounds. I think he probably does run right around a four three. Like he he is very very fast, uh, and sometimes those one trick guys can work really really well in the NFL. But I think the nature, like just the raw skills around him, have not been developed at all yet, and we won't have a good idea until they, that they've been developed. So it's a blind faith kind of thing for me on him. You know, can he, uh, you know, stack um, uh, uh, corners you know, if he's playing on the boundary, which is, I, I have a hard time believing he'll be a stretch slot in the NFL. Can he win at the line of scrimmage consistently? Can he, uh, does he threaten anything underneath enough that teams will respect it enough that he can consistently get open deep? Um, you know, in terms of route running, you know, can he can make it so, you know, a lot of his route stems look the same, you know, kind of add some of those deception type pieces to his game. I don't know if he can do any of those things. And I think it's a big ask for receiver where we've said over and over again, athleticism matters like the least at that position. Once you hit kind of that base amount, like it's been proven over and over and over again. Um, so I'm interested to see what NFL teams want his role to be. To me, he almost is like, like I've comped into Marvin Mims and I think that's a pretty good comp as well. But if you're thinking about a guy that's in the NFL now, he just reminds me a lot of kind of Paris Campbell 
They were schemed open in different ways in college, but both have been schemed open like crazy. Almost all of their production has been schemed open stuff. Repairs Campbell's was more stuff behind the line of scrimmage, but he was still that dynamic athlete where he was going to run really fast. He wanted to get the ball in his hands. And we all said, you know, well, if he figures out the rest of it, when he gets to the NFL and yeah, he's been injured, but when he's been healthy, he hasn't been that productive. I feel very similarly about him as I, uh, about him and Jalen Hyatt. Like I just, I have a hard time believing in some of these guys. It's a thinner wide receiver class than we've had in recent years. So I think that helps him a little bit. If he does decide to come out, it's only his third year. He has a couple more years if he wants it, but that's just still why I would prefer his teammate, Cedric Tillman, who I think has a more NFL ready skill set. I can project where he's going to play in the NFL. And I don't have as many questions about him. And he like his stat line wasn't absurdly better than Hyatt in this game, but he also had Kelly Ringo on him and he had a decent game. Like he had, you know, six for 70. That's an NFL corner that's on him, you know, moving forward. Uh, probably a first round top yeah, draft top. pick. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I actually left this game with fewer questions about Tillman, even though he wasn't really blowing the doors up anything than I left for Hyatt. Yeah. I mean, he was a, he was one of my starts last week, you know, and, and for that reason too, you know, he was still kind of working his way back healthy, but he was also going to have um, Kelly Ringo on him and he, he looked good. You know, he was he did not hit that threshold. Spoiler alert um, for the for the sits. So he had a nice day. I'll be interested to see him continue to work his way back into this offense. hundred percent. hundred percent. And then Hooker. I mean, I, I just think this one's self-explanatory, man. Like, I don't if you're an NFL team, you can't take him before the third round. They're, he's old. He, he's got to learn how to play an actual offense. I think he is not as dynamic of a runner as he gets credit for. Um like I know the the um, there there's some rushing metrics for quarterbacks that are fairly sticky if they hit like X amount of yards in college, uh, they tend to be rushing threats in the NFL. But he just like when you put him against athletic guys, like he doesn't really look that athletic like he did at Virginia Tech. I don't know, maybe something's bothering him uh, injury wise. I, I don't really know, but I mean, seventeen he, he ran eighteen times in this game for seventeen yards. He he could not run a lot of these Georgia front seven guys, which is well, not I was ideal. <laughs> I mean, the Georgia front seven guys, you know, if there's a if there's a front seven that you're not going to be able to outrun, Georgia's definitely at the top of that list. You know, I mean, they just if have you, athletes, if you think about quarterbacks over the past couple of years that have shown it against some of those defenses, though, like Justin Fields did when when he was allowed to Trevor Lawrence did remember that was it Ohio State that he had that huge run against in the playoff. Yeah, I think that was them. Like that that's an NFL level defense, you know, in terms of, you know, all those guys are going to be playing on Sundays. Like I think there are definitely guys where you watch them do it a couple times, you're like, "Yeah, I think that guy can probably do it in the NFL." Like I actually have some questions about Hooker's ability to do it consistently. I'm not sure what he does. What Jalen Hurts was another. Like I never questioned his ability to run in the NFL. I just questioned his ability to pass in the NFL. Um, so I I I I have some questions. I have some questions about him. I think he'll get jumped by by the time the the media gets done with its draft process here. I wouldn't be surprised if he's like QB five on people's boards, or maybe even lower than that. I don't know. That's I don't think that's a hot take. I don't think that's necessarily a hot take either. But I think the only I don't even want to say issue because I don't really have an issue with it. The only caveat there is the cluster of quarterbacks from three to the rest of the class is just going to basically be personal preference and who you think could someday maybe be decent. You know, I don't think there's a, we've been saying it for weeks and weeks. I don't think there's a QB three in this class, you know? So if some people want to have Will Levis there, sure. You can tout Will Levis. 
I don't think he's going to do anything in the NFL, but he might be the third quarterback off the board. I could also th- you know, see Hendon Hooker maybe being the third quarterback off the board. I think that's a little mm-hmm. more of a stretch, but it wouldn't be insane. Doesn't mean I think he's going to have a good NFL career. You know, Bo Nix, maybe he's the third quarterback off the board. I don't think he's going to have an NFL career. So I don't think it matters after the top two what your order is going to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I could see, I don't think that's particularly a hot take that he would be like, you know, five. By the way, I don't know if anybody saw this clip from this weekend, but Bo Nix pulled a Bo Nix this weekend. Did, did you see this clip, Colin? I did not. So there was a play in this game this weekend. And I, I'll see if I can find it and I'll, I'll retweet it here while we're, while, while you're talking, since I don't usually listen to you anyway. Um, but to, just to kind of to paint the, the scene, he drops back to pass. He rolls left. He, he scrambles around for a while. There's nothing going on. He like rushes up to the line of scrimmage. Like he's going to run. Then he starts backpedaling. He turns his back to the end zone and flips it over his head. Like just blindly, <laughs> like just flings it over his shoulder. Uh, it goes out of bounds. Like there it was no harm, no foul. Um, but it was, just, it's, it's just, he does this every so often and he's, he's tamped it down there at Oregon, but he, he lets the crazy out every now and then. And, and he did it on that play. It just, it seemed like it returned some sense of normalcy um, to my life. Watching all is right with the world, watching Bo Nix throw a Bo Nix, a classic Bo Nix pass. Exactly. Exactly. Um, all right, Colin, just a couple of smaller notes here that I think uh, are interesting to talk about. Both of them actually deal with running back injuries. So there were some rumors this week that Israel Bonaconda, the running back at Pitt, was going to be sitting out for the rest of the year. And there it was on uh, some rumors on some rivals uh, bulletin boards. I don't claim to have any sort of special connection to uh, the back you know, ground at Pitt there. Uh, but as a Pitt fan and living in Pittsburgh, I had not heard anything about this, uh, even from some of the smaller time reporter guys that I generally trust on it. Um, he was injured. He did miss the game. I think he'll be back. I think he'll be back this season. I don't think the injury is serious enough to end it for him. But I do think there is a tale of caution here with him. And I've already I, I talked about it in a little bit with our NIL group. I don't think he gets a full workload again this season. So if you were a team that was riding RB1 Izzy into the playoffs here, I think you need to pivot elsewhere to find that production, which is going to suck because he's been getting just a ton of points every single week. But I think it's really going to be that that timeshare with Rodney Hammond. Like it was going to be this year before Rodney Hammond got hurt in the opening game against West Virginia and missed all that time. We're going to, they they were, Hammond came back and they were still willing to kind of ride the hot hand here. But I think with Izzy out this week, Hammond had a very, very, very good week. Um, I don't know that we see uh, a workhorse Izzy again in 2022. So I think just, you know, adjust accordingly moving forward. I'd be, I'm scared to start him. I have a team that that's really, really good that I don't know that I'm going to start. Humble brag. Um, I, 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 I completely get where you're coming from. And I, I do agree with you. I think this is probably going to be a little bit more of a split coming back here. Uh, assuming health, I think Izzy would lead this backfield, but he is going to be definitely difficult to trust. The problem is, do you have a better option? Because if you don't start Izzy and we're wrong and Izzy just kind of does assume the, you know, pretty clear lead back role here, you know, you could be leaving a 30 point game on your bench. I don't think I'm wrong. I, I agree with you, but I'm just saying like that's 
it's a start your studs type of a situation. He's been a stud. It's just, it's, it's hard in my mind. It is hard to sit a guy like that after you rode them to the playoffs. Uh, yeah. I mean, I get it. I just think you have to sometimes be smart about this stuff. Um, I mean, you don't have anybody else to plug in. Like, I don't even know if he's going to be a 20 point a week guy. Like you don't have anybody else. I, I, I don't know. know. Maybe, maybe not hard to say. Uh, speaking of injured running backs, Jarrell Brock got injured this week for Iowa State. Uh, they finally were able to unleash Cartavius Norton. And although he was not uber efficient on the day, averaged right around four yards per carry, did have two touchdowns uh, on the day there for uh, Iowa State in their win over West Virginia. Um, it sounds like Brock was trying to get back into the game, um, but uh, they just you know let Norton run with it here. I think there's a chance that this is the beginning of the takeover, which I think would have happened earlier in the year if Norton had to pull his hammy in week yeah. one. And I know that's kind of been the base, my like my base level of assumption that I've been working on all year. So I'm trying not to be too reactionary to this, but I think this is one of the situations where any chance that Norton can get to get that little inch, you know, uh, of, of space between them, you know, the sunshine starts uh, sneaking through. I think that he, he's good enough player take advantage of that so it might not be that he's like a startable guy in the playoffs here but i do think this could be the beginning of him taking it over and by next g like you know over the offseason this him making this his job that would not surprise me at all yeah i mean we we did expect him to kind of lead this backfield at the beginning of the year and i think you're right had he not gotten injured this takeover would have happened sooner because jarrell brock just has not been good the iowa the whole State, team's been bad in fact yes yeah. Like the efficiency, what is that? They've never heard of it. Yeah. Yeah, the whole the whole team, the whole offense has been bad, but the running game, which is normally what they lean on, has not been good. And I think that's also um, definitely contributed in them not being as good all around. So I think it's time for the turn to Norton and see what he can do and see what he can bring to your offense. And maybe he can, you know, not obviously he's not going to be Brees. You know, I don't think he's going to be David Montgomery either. Um, those are pretty lofty bars, especially in terms of college production. But I think he's closer to those players than Brock. And I think his production, he'll be able to provide some production and, and maybe a spark for this offense that had not been there before. It was really just a Xavier Hutchinson show, and that was it. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I think that that, that is a – a fair assumption, but I also don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. So I think recognizing that uh, that may not be the case. His staff just doesn't want to rotate backs. I don't think so. I think they'll they'll t- end up taking the best guy. Uh, shout out to our top performers of the week here, Colin. And we'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about Tanner Mordecai. Um, had a bajillion touchdowns this week against uh, uh, Houston. There, uh, a high scoring game, over a hundred or ninety uh, something points at halftime, I believe. Uh, ended up over 130 points on the day between the two teams. But Clayton Toon had himself broke back of a game the, too. Uh, broke the single game regular season record. They did, and no overtimes. <laughs> like the, the I think mm-hmm. what was the record that Pitt Syracuse game from a couple years ago? Um, no, I think it was uh, Texas A&M and LSU okay. where they went into like seven overtimes. Okay, uh, so know, but that's that's what I meant. Regulation, not regular yeah. season. Yeah, um, uh, big game for him. So if you had Tanner Mordecai last week, uh, you're probably doing pretty well. Um, I did say to start him. You did. You did. And I didn't even check his points on last <laughs> week when I was scoring it. I just wrote a million percent. Um, he, there were some leagues where he put up as much as like 80 points. Depends on your league scoring a little bit, but yeah. 
Definitely was a good week to be a Mordecai truther. Now watch him go stink it up this week. Oh, he probably not. will. Yeah. Um, That's just been him all year. Uh, running back, Edward Sadie from Temple. Um, if you haven't Sadie heard Hawkins. that name. <laughs> In my khaki pants. Nothing better. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Um, Edward Sadie for Temple. So this is an interesting player. I, I was not familiar with him at all before I was kind of looking through you know the results of this week's games. We're going to talk about him a little bit later when we talk about some waiver wire stuff, but he's kind of taken over this job at Temple as the season's gone on. The last three games, uh, 20, 14, and 24 carries, and in that time, uh, 69, 61, and 265 yards. And yeah, that 265 was this past weekend. He's had three rush TV TDs. Um, all right, he had three rush TDs uh, this week. The other thing about him that's really interesting is that he's getting targets. Past couple games, he's had six, nine, and four, and he's turned those into five catches for eight yards, six catches for 56 yards, and four catches for 69. Giving him a pretty nice fantasy floor. He's intriguing. I don't know if I want to really be telling people to buy the Temple offense, but this is a guy that I think is free, and if you have unlimited waiver wire pickups, as we're going to talk about here in a few minutes, I think you could do a lot worse than this kid. He's more of a stash, and we'll see where the where the offseason takes us. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, he, you know, I, I don't know what the ceiling is on him, but this Temple offense has been better uh, the past couple of weeks under EJ Warner, Kurt Warner's son. You know, getting competent quarterback play has, you know, unlocked this Temple offense about as much as they can be unlocked here. So it's been better. And I think, you know, both of those guys are young, uh, EJ um warner is a freshman i'm not sure if he's a redshirt freshman or a true freshman i don't believe he's, he's a true freshman if i'm so redshirt yeah redshirt freshman then um sadie sophomore so young guys you know they'll be back there's something to build on here uh, and to, you know depending on how sadie finishes down the stretch here we could be looking at a a nice startable option uh, most weeks there because there's going to be some bad defenses in the AAC. Uh, you know, US, USF the team he just absolutely demolished. Probably not going to get much better than you know what they are this year. So I don't know. They just got fired their head coach. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think he's a he's a nice stash for next year. Um, wide receiver Nathaniel Dell had the best game of the week. Uh, a big one there in that shootout. Obviously, <laughs> makes sense that the top receiving guy came from that matchup, and then tight end. Uh, also from that matchup, Ben Redding at SMU. Um, so shout out to all of those guys who were the top at their positions this week. I had him on uh, on my bench in a in our twenty four team league. Mm. Like that's the only reason he's even rostered because he hasn't done anything all year. And why would I start him? And he just absolutely went off. So I ended up losing. Sorry to hear that. Um, Total side note, uh, RJ Maryland's been the tight end that's done a lot this year. He's a true freshman there. Um, he's changed his name. Petition that once you enter school, you are not allowed to change your name. Looking at you, Jatavian Sanders, uh, Jalen Cropper, like all just play with your Christopher damn Brooks correct name. Used like to be just, Christopher Brown. Yeah, uh, just ridiculous. Uh, well, I guess I can understand why someone doesn't want to be named Chris Brown anymore, but um, yeah, I just, it, it's so dumb. Just stick with the name here, people. You're you're killing us. Um, and with NIL stuff, I'm actually surprised some of these guys want to change their names. I don't know. I don't know. RJ Maryland probably not making that much money anyway. Um, Maybe he's sponsored by Russell Athletic. 
Um, That's why well, I think, didn't his dad play in the NFL? I don't know. That yeah. He needs to, yeah, I think so. Um, I forget who his dad was, but um, yeah. Yeah, RJ Maryland, uh, a guy that um, Brandon Sanders highlighted on his future freshman. Uh, he's highlighted him like a couple times. It's one of his guys. Try to get in there on the ground floor, folks. Um, so before we hop into uh, waiver wire and a couple other segments here to wind up the show, uh, we are part of the Fantasy Points Media Group, guys, along with a ton of other great podcasts. And um, you can find them all in one place on Twitter at Fantasy Points Live, or you can check out the weekly Friday drop that recaps the week in the Fantasy Points Media Group. And if you're looking to sign up there, uh, promo code Campus Twenty Two gets you ten percent off your membership. All right, uh, waiver wire, uh, Colin. We uh, this week, look, guys, we're gonna level with you. By now, your waivers are probably picked over to the point where you're not going to find somebody who's a league winner off your bench. Don't have a lot of names to toss at you. What I would suggest if you have unlimited waivers or or you have, honestly, even the better one is if you have limited waivers and you still have one or two left, go to free agents, sort by who's got a lot of points, check the past couple weeks and pick them up because we cannot possibly cover all these contingencies. You'd be surprised some of the players that you see floating around out there from time to time, though. You might find one of these, these Mac wide receivers or somebody like that that can maybe help you down the stretch. But what we are going to do here starting today and for the rest of the regular season is we're going to try to focus on some stash type guys that you can be picking up and maybe they can help you this year, but probably not. But these are names and we're not going to say any names we've already said. So we've dropped some names the past couple of weeks. You can go listen to those shows again uh, if you want them, but I'm going to start us off here calling real quick with Kavorian Brown running back at UTSA. Kavorian, like, who I never heard of the guy until this week. Uh, he's three percent rostered on fan track, so apparently, some people have heard of him. Shout out to those people. Uh, 46 rushing attempts in his last three games in, in that stretch, 296 yards and three touchdowns. He is a second year back, a, a an actual redshirt sophomore on that roster. He's, he's yes, I, I don't use those terms anymore, I feel like they're all outdated. He is a second year back, he has four years of eligibility, including this one. Um, so five, nine, two, 15, honestly, other than that, we don't have a lot of information. He was very productive in high school. He, he didn't do anything last season. We've kind of been waiting to see if a running back would break out there after since your McCormick left. I'm not saying Brown is that guy, but I'm saying if, if you look at the other options on that roster, he's as likely as anybody and even more so. And you made a great point. We were talking about this earlier, Colin. That whole offense is going to see a, a lot of change. You know, no more uh, Frank Harris. Uh, we think Zach Fra- uh, Zachary Franklin's probably going to go to the NFL. Does DeCorian Clark go? I, he just got a really bad knee injury, I think, this week. He did, but I think he's out of eligibility, I think. Yeah, I think he is too. Um, so, I mean, it, it's going to be a lot of change there. Do they lean on the running back? I don't know. Will he even be that guy? I don't know. But I think this is the kind of move that you make now, and if things change between now and, and April – you just cut them and you move on with your day. No harm, no foul. Yeah, I mean, we were kind of looking to see who the lead back at UTSA was going to be this year just because Sincere McCormick had been so productive in the previous years. And, you know, obviously the answer was nobody, um, up at least up until this point. You know, Br- um, Braden Brady had some a couple of decent games. You know, we thought maybe Traylon Smith, the Arkansas transfer, 
Uh, it could have done something and, and nothing really there. Ty Edwards was another popular name. He hasn't really done anything. I'm not even sure if he's hurt. I haven't heard anything about him in a while. Um, so he was hurt. I don't know if he still is. Gotcha. Yeah. So we're not, we want, we were interested in it in the lead back there and it ends up being Kavorian Brown. And I think we're going to be even more interested in it next year, given, you know, the, the state of this offense. Cause I like Jeff trailer as a coach, you know, I think he's a pretty good coach. Yeah. So I, I even wonder how long he stays there. Yeah. Like he's a name that's going to get brought up, but luckily for him, all the schools in Texas right now seem to have guys that are going to stay there for a while, or, or at least aren't in the verge right. of getting fired. What so. do we think about Dana Holgerson? Houston's disappointed oh, this year. Good point. I don't think he gets the ax this year, but yeah, another year looking, like this year. He was looking a little more likely earlier in the season. They've kind of turned it around here in the past few weeks. Uh, last week, notwithstanding. Yeah, I uh, I put a future on Houston eight and a half over eight and a half wins. I accidentally put it down twice because I hate Fanduels, but I hate the way that they list your bets. Like I don't understand. Really? Yeah. I never had any issues with that. Yeah, maybe I'm well, just not an I d- idiot. I don't know. I didn't realize I'd put it in once. And then like a couple months later, I was looking through and I was like, oh, you said eight and a half. You see if I, uh, I don't see it in here. All right, cool. Let me put it down. So going to miss on that one twice. Luckily, you're using Picket now. Yes. Yes. Picket Sports app. It's a it's a good app for betting. Track we need bets. we need sponsorships with Picket. We need sponsorships with Duke's Mayo. People, give us a call. We're happy yeah. to to hawk your products that we actually love. For yeah. a small fee. Sweet Come Baby on. Ray's Barbecue? Nah, fuck that. I'm not reading that. <laughs> I'll read it. Um, sorry, back on you, track You were here. just talking about how you can't read the other day. Now you want to write, read ad reads? Come on. Back on track here. Um, another stash. A Sam Brown, wide receiver for Houston. Um, he has been pretty productive the last couple of weeks here. He's been seeing a lot of volume. 12 targets, 8 eight and nine over his last four games two of his last four games he has two touchdowns in each of those there over 20 fantasy points in three of his last four now matthew golden is back he was back last week um so i think matthew golden being back could hurt his numbers moving forward because i don't see houston throwing the ball 53 times a game like they did last week but you know with nathaniel dell off to the NFL that's going to open up some targets next year. Uh, that'll, you know, Golden will have some, but there will be some to go around for Sam Brown as well. And this will be, this is a, a situation to monitor at the quarterback position with Clayton Toon gone as well. So it's, it'll be interesting to see do they bring in a transfer because they don't really have anybody next up on the roster there. But Sam Brown is a third year freshman, still technically a freshman. So he has three more years of eligibility after this year. So definitely a guy to keep an eye on here, assuming this offense is going to be uh, get competent quarterback play and it should see some volume next year as well. Lean into that uncertainty as the offseason goes on, folks. All these guys, lots of uncertainty. Could be gold, could be nothing. Right. Uh, Dylan Goffney next up here, uh, wide receiver at SMU, one of the higher rated recruits that's ever gone to SMU. I thought he would step up a little more this year. So did a lot of the guys, including Mike uh, Valerie, part of our uh, Debbie team here at campus to Canton. He, that has not been the case. I don't know that he's seen more than four targets in the game this year, which is very odd uh, with how much they pass the ball there. But Rasheed Rice, who's been the target hog is going to be moving on to the NFL. And there's no real clear 
option as to who's going to be the number one wide receiver. I'm going to bet for now on it being Goffney. Um, we don't have to worry about new quarterback play there. It'll be Preston Stone. We've already seen him. He's looked very, very good. Um, so overall, it's an offense that I want to buy. It's a, a position within that offense I really, really, really want to buy. Uh, and Goffney is virtually I mean, a lot of places pretty free right now. So I think Dylan Goffney is actually one of the sharper ads you can make as the season widens down here. Yeah, I completely agree with that. You know, um, shout out Mike Valerie, although I don't know why I give him shout outs. He never invites me onto the show or anything. Uh, he, but just Dil- keep, he just keeps saying he doesn't respect you. I don't know what that means, but he just that's all he ever says when I ask him. Hmm. Interesting. He'll, he and I will have to have a conversation. Um, <laughs> Call him but, into your office. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Dylan Goffney was one of the guys he was um, touting earlier in the season, and it's taken a little bit of time for him to get going here. But under Rhett Lashley, you know, Rhett Lashley offenses do tend to feature one wide receiver. So I, I think there's a good chance that that could be Dylan Goffney next year. So I, I agree. I think he's one of the best stashes here at the end of the season if he's available. Uh, next guy on our list here, though, uh, Edward Sadie, running back for Temple, a guy we highlighted a little bit earlier here. You know, look, you talked about the volume that he's been getting over the last three games. Um, you know, he's had over 20 touches or over 20 opportunities in each of those games because he had 14 carries in one game, but he had 10 targets in that same game. So he's getting a lot of volume. He's really become the lead back for this offense. The cautionary tale is essentially half of his yards uh, and three of his four touchdowns came this past week against USF, who is a extremely soft defense. It's a guy to keep an eye on down the stretch here. If he can continue seeing the volume, if he can continue to build off of this past week's performance, he could be a guy that could give you some help down the stretch if you're really in a pinch, but much more of an eye towards next year. Again, given that he's a sophomore, this Temple offense is looking like it's improving a little bit and and hopefully can continue to build on that as well, leading into next year with him and, and EJ Warner. Um, yeah, yeah. So we already talked a lot about Sadie earlier. Last name that we have here for you today, guys. And by the end of the year, you know, between this show, it will probably have 25, 30 different stash options for you. Um, Jacoby Criswell, quarterback at UNC, only 5% rostered on fan tracks. I would be willing to wager that number is significantly higher in C2Cs with the nature of uh, large roster sizes, uh, sometimes taxi squads available, um, and just, you know, the, the long term nature of the format. Um, but Chris Wells, the backup quarterback there at North Carolina, he's not going to sit for a whole nother year behind Drake may. He's just not, he's too good of a quarterback to be doing that. He'll have been in college for uh, three or four years at that point before ever even getting a chance to really step on the field. Um, so we're predicting he hits the portal where he goes. I don't know. That Nobody is knows. Any, anybody's guess, but there are plenty of good landing spots out there. We just talked about Houston. We have no idea who's going to be Houston starting quarterback next year. They no heir apparent on the roster. It's not going to be Clayton tune. We know that much. Houston could be a spot. Could he go to a place like UCLA that doesn't really have uh, a, a quarterback there to take over? Could he be, um, you know, could he try to be the bridge guy at Tennessee? Could he go to Michigan state? Could he, I mean, there are just dozens of places across the country that he could go and he would be an upgrade over what they have now. So Jacoby Criswell, pick him up now. If it doesn't work out again, another guy you can just cut in April, no harm, no foul. And you get to move on with your day. And I'd, I'd be looking at Connor Harrell too, his, his other co-backup teammate there. I think both those guys, if they're free agents, they're easy stashes for me at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. There's a number of, of different quarterbacks that I think 
are going to be on the move this offseason. You know, Sawyer Robertson, a quarterback from Mississippi State that we kind of liked coming in here. He's very much an air raid guy. I thought he was going to be a really good fit in Mike Leach's system. But Will Rogers is still there. I don't see him sticking around, especially with them bringing in um, Chris Parson. You know, assuming that he stays on that commit because he's flipped once already. But, uh, you know, so so that's a guy, you know, Kyle McCord, if he doesn't win that job, he could leave. Ty Thompson's a guy that could leave if Bo Nix stays. You know, there's there's a number of other quarterbacks that could leave, too. So that's kind of something else that we'll be mentioning, talking about a little bit here over the end of the season and into the offseason as well. Uh, all right, Colin. So we're going to try to do something here real quick before we get into our start sits. And by you're on a heater. You're pissing me off. I don't think there's a chance I catch you at this point in the season. Um, we'll get into that then. So we'll uh, we'll each have a year that we've won. Uh, but before we get to that, we're going to try to predict the first two rounds of startups next offseason. It's going to be easier said than done. But we're going to lay out a couple ground rules here. We're going to assume that most of these guys that have that that are eligible to go pro will do it. So a guy like Sean Tucker like could come back. I I don't think he's going to. So we're going to assume that he's gone. A guy like um, Jackson Smith and Jigba has been, you know, maybe he tries to come back and rehab his stock. We're going to assume that he leaves school. But we're going to try to predict the top 24 players in drafts next year. And uh, we'll see how correct we are once it's it's really interesting cuz even like the top 24 to, to, to 30 when like April is around. And then when August is around, there's a lot of shifting that goes on there. So really interested to see um, who that would be. And we can include incoming freshmen in here, Colin. So, Ooh, cause naturally okay. a couple guys in Nick, Nicholas Singleton went top, whatever last year, Trayvon mm-hmm. Henderson the year before that. Um, there's usually maybe a quarterback that slides in there. So some of these guys can do that as well. So the order Less important, but we're going to try to kind of, you know, figure out where the tiers are going to be. And we're going to try to give you the first two rounds for next year's draft. Colin, are you ready? I am. So are we doing this like draft style one, one kind of. So we're actually not going to really do draft style. I just want to ask you which quarterbacks you think could factor into this and and kind of what, you know, what the, what those tiers are going to look like. And then we'll, we'll hit running back wide receiver. I think there's only going to be one tight end. We can talk about Brock Bowers. Yeah. yeah, but I, I don't think it's going to be anybody else other than him. But yeah, we'll, we'll, no, we'll I talk agree. About that. Yeah. Uh, so if you're looking at the quarterback position first, I think this is really interesting. I mean, I think there's three easy, easy locks, and I think they are three first round locks. Um, Caleb Williams, Quinn Ewers, Drake May, you know, whatever order you have them in, those guys are going in the first round next year. I don't think there's really any doubt about that. Uh, where you get into the second round is where it's going to be really interesting for me because I could see. I think whoever wins the Ohio State job, whether that's Devin Brown, whether it's Kyle McCord, uh, I think they will be in the, or whoever looks like they're winning that job will be taken in the top two rounds. Drew Aller, fringe guy. Um, I could see some leagues where somebody will take him in the back half of the second. I think other leagues, he will go more towards like the middle of the third. I think it really just depends on your league and and how quarterback hungry and heavy people are. So he's kind of like a fringe guy. I would put him, you know, you talked about top 24, top 30. I think he'll be right on that 30 line. Um, And then I think Malachi Nelson and Arch Manning are are two other guys who will be right on the edge of that 30 line. I think there's going to be some people who reach for them. So I could see them going back half of the second as well um so 
for those of you keeping a, a track at home, Caleb Williams, Quinn Ewers, Drake May, Locks, whoever the Ohio State quarterback is that wins that job. I'm going to say Devin Brown. That's what I think it's going to be. So there's four that I think are Locks. And then you're looking at. I Drew. think taking Devin Brown at the top 24 might be a mistake. Even I think whoever take, wins, even if he gets the job, I think that might be a mistake. Uh, you, I know you were Mr. Zero QB, but I think that not a lot of other people share that sentiment at the top. Um, well, jokes on you because I bet that if I am anti Ohio State quarterback in the top 24 enough, and we talk about it on enough shows, we can make it happen. And I can beat you. <laughs> Suck um, on that. Yeah, but so I, I think those four will be in so the just top give me, two. So and just then, give us all those names on, in order real quick, Colin. Yeah, uh, Caleb Williams, Quinn Ewers, Drake May. That's my order. I don't really fault anybody on any order on those top three. I think Devin Brown, assuming he wins that job. And then if you extend it to top 30, I think Drew Aller, Malachi Nelson, and Arch Manning will be right around there. If you're talking just top two rounds, I don't think those last three will have a top two round ADP. Um, so I would not be surprised if Malachi Nelson is the one freshman that you see consistently go top 24 next year for a couple of reasons. I, uh, So he's going to USC to play for Lincoln Riley, which we know that that is um, virtually every quarterback that's touched Lincoln Riley, except for Spencer Rattler, who even had one good year with him, has not only been a very good CFF quarterback, but has also parlayed that into some sort of future NFL draft capital. So I think Malachi Nelson, um, well, that and the fact that Lincoln Riley understands that they don't have to bring in a five-star quarterback every year, like they won't bring in a direct competitor to him directly behind him that's not how the, that, that I, riley operates he has that kind of two three year cycle down where the guys overlap a year and you learn and then you and you kind of move on from there um so i think that nelson who is the top quarterback in the class uh, in my opinion a lot of our opinions here at c2c i think he's just a slam dunk for for top 24 i think he will be i would rather have him than devin brown by a lot i I'm kind of hanging out in that same area as well, but I'm also thinking about it from an ADP perspective. Is that how you wanted to approach this exercise? Are we talking ADP or are we talking personal? So Kyle, it, it, Devin Brown's not even guaranteed that job. Kyle McCord is going to compete for that job. So if we're talking April, are we going to know who has that job yet? You're no, going to take Devin not. Brown in the top 24 without knowing if he's a starting quarterback next year. Uh, no, I would not. But I think there are what other are we people doing? Who- I think there's other people who will. Hmm. Interesting. I think his ADP is going to be right right around there. Man, I I uh, I think you're. Well, we just did. Hold on a sec, because we actually just did a mock. I, like I said, I think whoever whoever is looking like they're winning that Ohio State job is the one that's going to be taken there. I think it's going to be Devin Brown. Okay, I think we're going to. I would disagree then. So I, I would I put, personally not take him there. But people get pretty quarterback hungry. Interesting. Yeah, don't do that. Anybody listening to this, do not do that. Um, that's a really, really bad value proposition, in my opinion. Um, I agree. All right, let's switch to running back here, Colin. Um, we're going to assume, for argument's sake, that Bijan Robinson is gone. We're going to assume that 
Uh, who else here? Come on. So John's going to be Evan, gone. Gibbs is going to be gone. Evans is going to be gone. Sean Tucker is going to be gone. Tank Bigsby is going to be gone. And that's really all the top Forum. 24 relevant guys. Yeah, I don't I don't think he could ever touch top 24, but we'll assume he's gone. Um, Achain's not going to go in that range. Charbonnet's not going to. Like, all, no. all those guys are gone. Kendry Miller will be gone. Um, I don't think Kendry Miller would touch that range either. I don't think so either, but you never know. Um, the explosive offense, he's been pretty dang good over the past couple of years. Um, but we'll assume all those guys are gone. Um, what running backs do you think can go in this range? Um, I, I think Travion Henderson will still be a first-round pick. It's probably looking at the back half of the first or like the middle to back half of the first, maybe like the seven to nine range for next year, given that he's been a little bit disappointing this year. Still think he's a first-round guy, though. Uh, and then Raheem Sanders, I could see sneaking into the very half, back half of the first, like the 12 or the very early uh, second. So I think those two pretty easily. Um, Quinchon Judkins, I think, will be up there for sure. I think he's a lock, yeah. Yeah. We'll I go think in Nicholas, the range that Braylon Allen went in this year, if I had to guess. Yeah, I could see that. Anywhere um, from like 10 to 20, depending on what draft you're in. Yeah. Yeah. I think Singleton... We'll still have his truthers. I still think he will be a top 24. Um, as he should be. Braylon Allen, I think will still go in that range. Yeah, I think so too. He should. He yeah. Should. Late 20 years. Yeah. And then after that, I I don't know if I see Jaden Blue getting up that high. Shouldn't. as I fair. could see maybe Branson Robinson if everybody else clears out ahead of him. Maybe that's the only guy that would be on the fringe there for me. Yeah. I mean, he's been getting touches recently. Yeah. Um, so I would not discount that, especially if, yeah. Uh, if, right. um, the question is, does that log jam in front of him? Does everybody else clear out? Does Kendall Milton go? Does Kenny McIntosh go? Daywan Edwards. So all three of those guys, he's getting the same, like he's getting in the ballpark of Kendall Milton touches. In the right. month, like the past month, he's gotten 12, 8, 9, and 5 carries. Like he's he's in, he's firmly in the rotation. I think he's past Milton at this point. I think Milton's done there. I Milton might get like seven carries a game next season. I think he's done. He's not what we thought he was going to be. I liked him a lot no. coming out of high school. I think most people did, but I think he's done. And don't say that on Twitter. His, his ridiculously ripped dad will come find you. <laughs> um, but yeah. He's not good. And then looking at this too, actually, I if Jace McClellan comes back, maybe. I think that's probably closer to like the 30 range than the 24. Yeah, I don't think but he gets But depending there. on how that backfield starts to shake out, it wouldn't shock me to see him creep up there. Because he's been getting some work. He's looked pretty good at times. So if he looks like he's going to be the lead Bama back, maybe. Yeah, I, I don't know that he gets in there. So let's so, so we said what Travion, Raheem, Judkins, Singleton, and Braylon Allen all probably get in there for sure. Yes. And then the fringy type guys are going to be Will Shipley. Mm-hmm. Um, Branson Robinson. Branson Robinson. And we'll put I'll put Jason McClellan down just to make you feel better about yourself. Uh, thank you. Um the other names that I think, you know, you could talk about like Travante Citizen. I don't think he'll be in there. He wasn't in there this past year. Yeah. Um uh, Jamar, what if Jamari Miller gets a job? I think that'll be something to watch um, there. People might say Jade not. I don't think he's that level of a player. No. What about Donovan Edwards? 
who's been really good the past couple of weeks, by the way. Um, he's averaging like his floor, his receiving floor is like seven or eight points a game, like for fantasy, which is like really, really nice because he's, he's getting double carries on top of it. Like he's been a really nice play the past three games, really, since he got healthy. Yeah, you know what? I could see that. That's a good call. I could see him getting into that range, especially if Corum goes. Uh, there isn't really anybody else that they have there that's um, that I think can fill that Corum role very easily. And, and so I think that while Donovan Edwards is still probably in somewhat of a committee, I think he leads that committee next year. And there's going to be plenty of volume to go around. I agree. I agree. So we have nine names total there couple of them fringy. We'll see what we come up with a wide receiver before we we narrow down our definitive top 24 wide receivers, Colin. Uh, just, look, just looking at some of the names here that will be gone. Your Keishon Boutes, your Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jordan Addison, Quentin Johnston, Josh Downs are all very consistent top 24 players. This offseason, we're going to assume they're all off the table. Discussion starts with Marvin Harrison, right? Yeah, easy. Marvin Harrison, easy. Xavier Worthy, pretty easy. Luther Burden, Mecca Egbuka, all pretty easy as well. You think Burden goes top 24? I think he's got a lot of his truthers out there, and he has hit a lot of the thresholds that we're looking for. The big question is, what's his CFF production going to look like? But I think from a Debbie perspective, I would feel comfortable taking him in probably like the back half of the second. I think him and Egbuka are like virtually the same player. And I, they were kind of comps for me coming out of high school, like very similar. Stylistic. The thing with Egbuka is the CFF production. He's in a way get. better offense. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, that that kind of ends up hurting Burden a little bit. Yeah. So I, I think Burden will be a fringy top 24 guy. It'll be yeah. I think some drafts. He might actually fall out of it. Um, but but yeah. who knows there? Um, do we like uh, Mario Williams? Do you think he do we does he see that top 24? It's like going to be right. Assume he'll be that guy, but I, he's never yeah, shown I, it. Like I think we, I think by ADP he will be in the top twenty-four. I would not advocate taking him that high. That would be a fade for me at that price. Yeah. Yes, it's a fade for me at that price. I also really like the two wide receivers that they're bringing in this year in this year's class: um, Zachariah Branch and Makai Lemon. I think they'll both I, play early. I think they'll both play early. I really like both those guys. I think overall they're better players than Mario Williams is. I don't think either of these two will go in that range, in that top 24 range. Although, gun to my head, I would probably prefer them over Mario Williams. Well, no gun to your head right now, Colin. This is a safe space. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Um, I think I could see Evan Stewart possibly getting in that back half of the, yeah. the top 24 yeah. range. I think he should be in it over Mario Williams personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Matthew Golden's going to be one that's really interesting to me. Do you think he can get up that high? No, I think that's a little rich, um, but I don't think that it's like outlandish. I just Houston on the side of his helmet's going to be a problem for him. I mean, they're going to be like in the value. Big Twelve. They're going to be in the Big Twelve next year. They will, but I still, you know, people still won't value Houston that way. I don't think. No, no, that's fair. I think the NFL will not knock him for that. Mm-hmm. 
I don't think he really has any shot at going in the first round, but I think he could certainly be a second round guy when it's all said and done. Yeah. Um, I don't think either the Clemson wide receivers get there, Antonio Williams or Adam Randall or even Bo Collins. I don't think any of those three are going to get there. I think they kind of cannibalize each other. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe one of the three Ohio State guys. And if I had to pick one that I think would get there, it'd probably be Brandon Innes, just based on more a little bit more on public perception. But I could see one of those three sneaking in as well. Okay. Brandon Innes, um, and for anybody not familiar, Brandon Innes, Carnell Tate, Noah Rogers, three top 10 wide receivers uh, in this year's freshman class that are going to all be going to Ohio State. Yeah. Um, all right. So, and I'm trying to just look and see. What he, about I somebody I just you. thought about? Who? Maybe you, did you say you were going to ask me about somebody? Yeah, but you, you go ahead first. Same person. Well, I was going to say, I wonder if J, if Jalen Hyatt doesn't go back. Oh, thought, like, do okay. you think he would be top 24? Um, yeah, I think there's some people that would probably pull the trigger on that one. Oh, so um, bad. I agree. I, I wouldn't. Um, I think he could be top 30, maybe not top 24. Um, my guy that I was wondering about, Malik Benson, wide receiver mm. for Alabama. I don't think that's a possibility. No, you don't think unless so? we just hear at spring camp that he's just dominating. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I just, just, just a name I wanted to bring up Malik again, for anybody not familiar, Malik Benson is a Juco uh, transfer for a wide receiver. That's going to Alabama in this year, which you may be asking, why do we care about these Juco wide receivers? He's been getting a lot of hype and he's really the only wide receiver in this class for Alabama. And we know Alabama needs some help at wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, real quick here, Colin. So our, our, our slam dunk four were Harrison Jr. Worthy, Burden, Egbuka. And then our fringy guys mm-hmm. were Mario Williams. Uh, who else would we like here? We liked Evan Stewart potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, did you mention Adam Randall? I mentioned the the Ohio, the Clemson three, mm-hmm. Bo Collins, Adam Randall, Antonio Williams. I don't think either of them will get there. Yeah, I don't. I think they'll be just outside that. Yeah. So, and then what, anybody else that you had kind of on that fringy? I don't know. Maybe Ja'Cory Brooks, because we're just talking about some Bama wide receivers. I think maybe fringy, because he's been starting to pick up lately. Yeah, he'll have to finish the season. He'd have to, yeah, he'd have to finish pretty strong. But uh, no, nobody that I would put in there. Nobody else. Okay. All right. Um. Well, then, let's count up our slam dunk name. Well, and then let's go to tight end real quick. Honestly, can't forget Rock about Bowers. tight end. Yeah, Brock Bowers. Right, um, actually, another name that I just want to throw out there, Jatavian Sanders. Do we think he can get up there? I think Trigg has lost a little bit of shine with that injury, which I don't really think is his fault, but I don't think he would hit that. But Sanders. I don't know Trigg that, well, Trigg wasn't a top 24 guy last year. I don't think Sanders gets there. That's a pretty hard threshold to cross. Okay. I don't disagree. There's no one else really close, right? No, 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 no. Um, Deuce Robinson, the freshman coming in, the freshman's coming, tight end coming in, who looks really good. And maybe what USC is kind of in the running there. Is that kind of where he's leaning right now? Uh, I think he's leaning USC, but he's still looking a couple places. Yeah. Gotcha. 
that's a name that would be interesting. I don't think he would hit it, but yeah. Um, so let's see. So our slam dunk names right now, Colin, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen slam dunk names essentially. Oof. I know. <laughs> that's not that's not enough. <laughs> the, the, those those second the second round can get kind of fringy until stuff starts getting kind yeah. of locked in here. But in terms yeah. of if we have if we're just talking fringe guys, we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. That gets actually gets us exactly to twenty-four. Right? Eleven? Or was it thirteen for the first? I think eleven would get us exactly there because we had, how, 13, how many, we had 13. Oh, we did. Okay, so we had 26. Sorry, I think so we, we had 26. I think that's fine, though, especially when you're talking fringy. So, um, so yeah, there, so there, and we'll just name all the names real quick. These are the names that the pool of players that we think will be the top 24. I, there's a couple other freshmen that I think are interesting to discuss as well, but I don't think they'll quite make it. Um, mostly those freshman receivers that we were talking about. So, here's, here's the names that we think will make up the top 24. We'll see how many of these we get right. Caleb Williams, Quinn Ewers, Drake May. Malachi Nelson, Devin Brown. At running back, Travion Henderson, Raheem Sanders, Quinshawn Judkins, Nicholas Singleton, Braylon Allen, Donovan Edwards, Will Shipley, Branson Robinson, Jace McClellan. At wide receiver, Marvin Harrison Jr., Xavier Worthy, Luther Burden, Emeka Egbuka, uh, and then potentially Mario Williams, Evan Stewart, uh, Bo Collins, Adam Randall, Antonio Williams, and Corey Brooks. And then at tight end, Brock Bowers. And then we'll toss JT Sanders in there as well, although I don't think. Uh, you'll get there. So there's your 26 names. It makes me feel a lot better, though, about um, throwing out Arch and Drew Aller as top 30 guys, because I could see that. Yeah, be interesting to see. Uh, uh, the freshman wide receivers are the ones that I think can jump in there, too, and actually would have them much more aggressively ranked than you guys will. Uh, but Mikhail Lemon, Jonte Cook, uh, Zachariah Brown. Oh, Jonte Cook, that's a good call. Jonathan Cook's going to Texas for anybody that doesn't know. He's really, really, really good. Um, so those the, he's like Xavier guys, Worthy, but better. Yeah, basically. He's, <laughs> he's very, very good. Um, so there, there's a lot of really fun names there. Um, all right, Colin. So let's get into our start sits here for the week then, and then we will get everybody out of here. For anybody that's not familiar with our start sit competition, it's a year-long thing. Here's how we do it. We each pick 10 starts and 10 sits. We do not share the list. Uh, each night before we hop on here with each other. So we can obviously have overlooked, uh, overlapping picks as a result. These are non-obvious starts and non-obvious sits. So uh, we're not telling you to start Bijan Robinson. We might tell you to sit Bijan Robinson, but um, these are supposed to be non-obvious. Um, so last week I went 10 and 10. I was pretty happy with that. I really, I nailed my starts. I crapped the bet on my sits. It was the complete opposite of the week before that. I, if I could just put together a good week, Colin, you went 12 and 6 this week after going 12 and 8 the week prior. So you are now 71 and 64 on the year. Meanwhile, I am 65 and 70. So, yeah, for anybody doing the math on that, um, Baron Morton and Jalen Glover were both starts for me. Both got injured pretty early in that game. Um, so we removed them. All right. So, Colin, you always start us off with our starts. I'll just kick it right over to you. Um, and we'll just go back and forth here. Who are you starting? Who's your first guy? Man, I'm going to get this one of these times. I'm going to get this one right. Mac Hippenhammer, wide receiver for Miami, Ohio. He's determined, folks. I'm going to get this one right. Look, Gabbert, um, Brett Gabbert is back. He was back the week before that, too. Mac Hippenhammer did not hit that number. But Gabbert had the bye week to heal up to kind of, you know, had the bye week to kind of get on the same terms here. 
Mac Hippenhammer in the last two games with Gabbert, 15 and nine targets. So the volume is definitely there. They get Ohio this week. Miami of Ohio versus Ohio. Ohio allows the second most pass yards per game, 324.2. I'm firing up Matt Kippenhammer this week. This is the week. All right. I am starting Mayan Williams this week. What? So I actually did the same exact play basically last week where I said start Katron Allen against Indiana, which is who Ohio State plays this weekend. And my thought process is basically Indiana is so bad that game script is going to be tilted so far in their favor that you're going to have the non-starter in the game for a decent portion of this one. So I I think even if Travion Henderson plays, he, he was a scratch last week, that, that Williams will have enough uh, a run in this one to hit 20 points. So I'm actually starting Mayan Williams. Okay. Okay. I like the logic on that one. Uh, my next start here is Keishon Boutte, wide receiver LSU. Uh, last four weeks, he's been seeing some solid volume. You know, the passing offense has been going, getting going a little bit here. The last four weeks, he's had eight, seven, eight, and eight targets. Uh, they play at Arkansas this week, who allows the third most pass yards per game, 302.1. Uh, their rush defense is pretty middle of the pack. I think this is actually going to be a little bit of a, I don't, I don't think LSU loses this game. But I don't think they're going to blow out Arkansas or anything like that. You know, this is this could be a little bit of a hangover game. Uh, so Arkansas can hang around in this one. And I think Keishon, like the volume is going to be there for Boutte. Nice matchup. I'm starting Keishon Boutte. Man, I disagree with both of your two so far. That's uh, the fun of this game. Um, so I'm starting Eric Gray this week. You disagreed with Brennan Armstrong. And man, he was close. He was very close. He, he was, was really very, very close. close. <laughs> uh, actually, as I was, I thought that he would have hit it, um, but it fell just short, or like a point yeah. or two. I you believe. also disagreed with Damian Martinez, and you won that battle. Um, so I, uh, I, I'm starting Eric Gray against West Virginia, and that's really all it needs to be said. They're getting, they just get cut up on the ground no matter what. And Eric Gray's actually been getting solid volume. Um, I expect Oklahoma to score a lot in this game, um, and I'm very conflicted because I have Eric Gray in the league where. I I also had like my, my starters are Charbonnet and Gibbs and I have no problem not putting him over those guys. But then I have like this final flex spot and it's like Jordan Mims, Demario Douglas or Eric Gray. And it's like, mm. I, I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm, I'm leaning gray. It's right a now. tough one. Yeah. Um, not to derail this too far. So this thing could just be like a yes, no question or like a 10 second answer. Do we need to start talking about Eric Gray as a post hype sleeper? Nah, he still runs soft. Okay. I, I watched a couple of their games. He's he's not there, but I mean okay. he's a fun college player. Definitely rebounded. Okay. He just had a lot of hype, uh, like heading into last year. So, but uh, my next start here is Marshawn Lloyd, running back for South Carolina. I did miss last week it with an injury, but he was close to playing. Uh, from my understanding, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty up in the air here. So if, if he plays this week. I'm firing up Marshawn Lloyd. They get Florida. That rush defense gives up the 21st most yards per game, 185.3, and he is essentially their entire offense. Um, next up for me, I'm starting Demario Douglas against UConn. He's a wide receiver for Liberty. Who, if you're not familiar with the name, he's averaging eight yards or eight targets uh, per over the last three, and he's been really, really efficient on them. Um, so I, I think that against UConn, uh, he could do something similar. My next start here is Anthony Richardson, quarterback 
Florida against South Carolina. I'm starting two people in this matchup here. Anthony Richardson has been steadily improving this year. I mean, I'm not ready to say he's like the, you know, the guy that everybody thought he was going to be coming into the year here, but he doesn't have any interceptions in his last three games. He's got seven passing touchdowns in his last three games. Uh, He's been steadily improving 28, 16 and 35 fantasy points. And that 16 number came against Georgia. So it's a very tough matchup. So 28 and 35 and the other two. South Carolina's rush defense is weak. They allow the 33rd most yards uh, per game with 171.8. So I think they could be susceptible to a, a bigger Anthony Richardson game on the ground here. Um, man, I just hate, I hate every single pick that you're making so far. I'm starting Audric Estime this week. They play Navy. Uh, Notre Dame does. He's got a touchdown in five of his last six games, and he has in his past two games 20 and 18 carries. He's getting starting to get some more volume, over 100 yards in both of those games. I think there will be a lot of opportunities for kind of goal line stuff, which is what he does a lot of for them. Um, so I'm going to start estimating. Maybe if you hate all of mine, could present an opportunity for you to catch up. Oh, man. And, uh, that rare 0 and 20 week is coming. I can feel it. <laughs> Uh, my next start here is Jamal Banks, wide receiver for Wake, uh, going up against UNC in this one. Look, UNC's pass defense, is, their their defense in general is terrible. Their pass defense is terrible. They have 12th most yards per game, 277.6. This game should be a shootout. Uh, the total, for the Vegas has the total at 76.5. Uh, they're expecting this to be very high scoring. I'm expecting this to be very high scoring. And Jamal Banks has nine, six, and seven targets in his last three games. So um, I think next, he's their wide receiver too. Next up for me, I'm starting Grant DeBose, wide receiver from Charlotte. Um, we've kind of been a, a carousel as to which wide receiver you want to start for Charlotte. But DuBose had 11 targets last week and in Middle Tennessee State is their opponent this week. They are a bottom 20-ish Pass defense, I think we'll see it's a nice pass volume for a couple of the wide receivers there, including including Elijah Spencer. But I think Dubose is going to be the guy next week. Uh, next guy I'm starting here is a guy we highlighted a little bit earlier. It's Kavorian Barnes, running back for UTSA. Uh, like we talked about the last three games, he's been getting a lot of the work there. 20, 10, and 16 carries. Uh, in the two games where he went over 15 carries, uh, 128 yards, two touchdowns, 114 yards, and one touchdown for 26 and 22 fantasy points. Uh, he gets Louisiana Tech in this one, and Louisiana Tech's rush defense gives up the second most rush yards per game, uh, 234.2. They also give up the fifth most points per game, 37.9. Uh, I think this is going to be a opportunity for UTSA to get up, get up early, and then just kind of run the ball all over them with Kavorian Barnes. Um, next up here for me, Chris Rodriguez, running back Kentucky. Um, Vanderbilt has really struggled against the run uh, here in SEC play. And he, after missing those first couple games, has finally really, really, truly consolidated the backfield there. He had 29 carries last game. Everyone else combined for five on the entire roster. So uh, it, it's his job. I think game script, he'll get a ton of carries here. I wouldn't be surprised if it's like 130 yards and two touchdowns kind of, get, kind of day for him. 
I also have Chris Rodriguez. Um, he's been over 100 yards in three of his last four, and the only game that he missed that was their blowout loss against Tennessee, where he actually also got hurt. Um, the big issue with Chris Rodriguez so far is he's been very unlucky with touchdowns. He averages one touchdown every 29 carries. I think that's going to write itself this week. Yeah, um, some some good added uh, notes there from Colin. Uh, next up here, I'm I'm going to start George Helani this week too. Nevada, they play Nevada. Nevada stinks. Helani's been hot lately. Um, this, it's so funny. Like if, if Boise State's really just turned this thing around. Kudos to them um, for doing so, making the moves they needed to. Uh, so I'm I'm starting Helani this week. I like that. Uh, I am starting Trey Harris, wide receiver for Louisiana Tech against UTSA. Mm-hmm. Um, look, this is a, another guy that, like George Helani last week, um, Trey Harris has been going under my radar here. You know, last five games, Trey Harris, 24, 26, 37, 8, and 34 fantasy points. He's gone over 120 yards in three of those games. He's at least one touchdown in four of those games. So he's been really good quietly. Uh, he's just a sophomore as well. So I don't know if he's available in any of your leagues. Like I would definitely check him out. Um, but UTSA allows 276 pass yards per game, which is 15th most in the country. Like I said a little bit earlier when I was talking about Barnes, I think this is an opportunity for UTSA to get up and get up early on them, which would be good for Barnes, but also be good for Trey Harris because La, uh, La Tech would be in comeback mode. So I'm starting Trey Harris. I look at you running it back. Uh, I'm starting Donovan Edwards this week, who I talked about earlier. Uh, he is averaging over six fantasy points per game uh, over his past three, which is really you know when he came back healthy, um, just on receptions and receiving yardage alone. Like that, that's just kind of a nice safe floor for him every week. He's had double-digit rushing attempts each of those three games as well, and has been very efficient with them. Michigan runs the ball very effectively overall, um, so I, I think this is a, another good spot for him here uh, for Michigan. My next start here is Calvin Tyler Jr. running back for Utah State. Uh, This Utah State offense has just not really been what we were expecting. They're not really that pass heavy. They haven't thrown the ball that well, but they've been running it decently. Uh, Calvin Tyler Jr. is over 100 yards in three of his last five games. He's also operating primarily as uh, as a bell cow there, over 15 carries in four of five, and he gets Hawaii. Hawaii's rush defense allows 237.7 rush yards per game, third most in the country. Uh, I think they're just going to be able to carve up Hawaii however they want to carve up Hawaii because everybody does. And again, I think Utah State, they're going to run the ball here more in this one. I like Calvin Tyler Jr. Um, I am starting Cedric Tillman this week. I think it's finally time they're going to unleash Tillman. Hasn't been reliable since he came back. Uh, from that ankle injury, but they're playing Missouri. Um, and quite frankly, I think last week was a um, kind precursor. of prelude. Yeah, precursor precursor for what they're going to do this week where he was very heavily targeted for them. And I think he'll be heavily targeted again in this one. I think it'll be a double-digit target kind of week. They'll have at least one touchdown. Tennessee will get back on track. I like that one. I like that one a lot. Um, I fully admit this last one here is a little bit more on gut feel. Um, it's Quinn Ewers, quarterback for Texas. Look, if you've started him lately, he's struggled in terms of fantasy. He's under 20 fantasy points in three of his last four. 
but this feels kind of like a get right game for him in that passing offense. Um, the running attack has really been carrying them and Bijan and you know, why not? It's Bijan, but uh, TCU's pass defense is not good. They allow 250.3 yards per game, which is 37th most in the country. This game totals at 65 points, so it should be pretty high scoring. And this just feels like a game where Texas is going to come in and beat up on TCU. I think this is where TCU turns into a pumpkin. TCU has beaten the last couple of opponents by knocking their quarterbacks out of the game. Adrian Martinez and Will Howard both got knocked out. Baron Morton got knocked out. Uh, Dylan Gabriel's gotten knocked out. Spencer Sanders was injured in their game. So I don't think that happens here in this one with Quinn Ewers. I think he's going to get them. Um, last one for me. I put 11th accidentally. We talked about that before the show, yeah. so I have to decide <laughs> who I want to go with here. Um, so I'm going to I'm gonna go with the name that I think is – more likely to hit, uh, but then I'll give you the bonus name uh, that was mentioned actually on Chasing the Natty this morning, a guy that I've kind of been keeping my eyes on here recently. Uh, so Jake Hayner, I think you start him. I think it's safe to start Jake Hayner again. I no longer have concerns necessarily about him coming back uh, healthy here for Fresno State. Um, and UNLV just straight up not a great defense that they're playing against here. So um, I, I like Hayner in this matchup, 300 yards, a couple of touchdowns. I think that's going to be his week. I like that. I like that. Who's the bonus name? TJ McMahon, quarterback at Rice. Um, okay. Rice just plays shootouts. Their last couple games here are all against teams that are going to score a bunch and don't have great defenses. Over the past three weeks, he's averaged 60 yards per game on the ground, and he's had a rushing touchdown in two of those three games. They have Western Kentucky this week. I think that'll be a nice game script there for him. Uh, and he's passing for – he's had three passing touchdowns in two of his last three as well. So um, – He's he's uh he's a pretty nice play there if you have a a fill in week that you need for a guy or something. Yeah, I like uh, I was I was considering Luke McCaffrey pretty strongly, but I thought that might be a little too obvious. Probably at this stage, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so my starts in order here: uh, Mac Hippenhammer, wide receiver for Miami of Ohio; Kayshawn Boutte, wide receiver LSU; Marshawn Lloyd, running back for South Carolina. Anthony Richardson, quarterback, Florida. Jamal Banks, wide receiver, Wake Forest. Chris Rodriguez, running back for Kentucky. Kavorian Barnes, running back, UTSA. Trey Harris, wide receiver, Louisiana Tech. Calvin Tyler Jr., running back, Utah State. And Quinn Ewers, quarterback, Texas. Uh, all right, Colin. Uh, mine were, let's see here, Mayan Williams, Eric Gray, uh, Demario Douglas, Audric Estime, Grant Dubose, Chris Rodriguez, George Halani, Donovan Edwards, Cedric Tillman, and Jake Hayner. All right, let's flip over to our sits here. Uh, I'll start it off here. I'm going to sit Kendry Miller this week, and I'm probably going to regret it. But I just don't love this matchup against Texas. I think the way to beat Texas is through the air. I think that's what TCU is going to try to do. Uh, pretty good front seven there for Texas. So uh, I, I just don't love uh, Kendry Miller in this one. Interesting. Okay. Uh, my first sit here is Seth Hennigan, quarterback for Memphis. Uh, he's been cooking lately. 24, 26, 24 fantasy points in his last three, including 24 against Tulane. Tulane, very good defense here. Uh, but he's also thrown two interceptions in each of his last three games. 
Uh, Tulsa has a legitimate pass defense here. 13th fewest pass yards allowed per game with 176.4. Their rush defense is bad, though. They allow the third most yards. That's how you beat Tulsa, is running the ball. Uh, If he is to hit if Hennigan is to hit the 20-point threshold here that we have for sits to, to get over that, um, it'll be on the ground with his legs. He's actually been a bit of a threat with his legs here in this this season, which is a little surprising. But uh, if he's going to do it, that's the way he does it. I don't think he does. So I'm sitting him. Uh, next up for me, I'm sitting Isaiah Winstead, wide receiver for ECU. He's been pretty darn good this season. Uh, if you haven't been paying attention there, been one of the main receiving options. CJ Johnson's kind of been the boom bust guy, and Winstead's kind of been the more steady Eddie there. But Cincy is, they're this weird combination of pretty good defensively, but they also grind the ball so much on offense that they're never going to get up by like 30. They just have to pass, pass, pass. Very, 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 very odd team and really unfun to watch. I've hated every Cincy game I've had to sit through this year. <laughs> um, but I, I don't like in, uh, Winstead in this one. Um, I, I'm going slightly off of my list out of order here on this one, but I'm sitting Holton Ollers, Q, okay. QB for Eastern Carolina. Um, pretty much for the same reasons that you were talking about there. And since he is a very good pass defense, 19th fewest pass yards allowed at 180.9. And Quinn, Quinn, or, uh, Holton Allers has really been flirting with that line, uh, that 20-point threshold in his last four, 13, 23, 23, and 21. So he's hovering right around there. I don't think he gets it in this one. Uh, next up for me is Raheem Sanders. I'm sitting rocket Ooh. this week against LSU. So this is actually, I was looking at this today. So after starting this season with 20 plus rush attempts in five of his first six games, he has not hit that amount a single time in the past three. They're just not quite giving him. How many of those is Arkansas lost? Do you have that up? I don't chance? have it up right now. Okay. Sorry. I imagine uh, it's a couple cause they've, they've kind of dropped some here. Might be. Well, they won last week. Two weeks ago, they lost this. They lost the Liberty last week. Either way, he hasn't been particularly um, great from fantasy perspective. Um, So, yeah, I'm sitting in this week. Gotcha. I am sitting Trey Palmer again this week. Uh, He gets Michigan. So I worked out last week for you. Yeah. um, Yeah, he gets Michigan. Ninth ranked pass defense in the country. What? Not work out last week. He had like 20 something points. Trey Palmer? No, he did not. He did. No, he didn't. He had like eight. He had like five catches for 37 yards. Let me pull up. He had 11 targets, five catches, 37 yards. Why do you know that off the top of your head? Because I have it right here in front of me. Um, what do I mark down as? Did you Casey, do some better than I said you did? <laughs> Casey Thompson missed last week. Oh, no, uh, I have that as 8.7. Okay. I just was wrong. Yeah, I figured. Um, Casey Thompson missed <laughs> yeah. last week. The offense struggled. Trey Palmer, 11 targets, but only five for 37. I think it's going to be a similar story this week. Even if Casey Thompson starts, I'm sitting Palmer. I also have Trey Palmer. Okay. Interesting. Oh, so that's why you were thinking he had like 20 points last week. Maybe Do you have that under your notes for him. Uh, no, I just, I had like Michigan, you know, Michigan notes and mm. possibly no Casey Thompson. So gotcha. Fair enough. Uh, I am sitting Ryan O'Keefe this week, wide receiver for UCF. Um, he had 13 and 12 targets in the last two games, but he is just not scoring touchdowns. Uh, there are four passing touchdowns last week for UCF, and none of them went to O'Keefe. 
Two of them went to Baker and two of them went to Kobe Hudson. Uh, very frustrating. Um, Tulane's pass defense gives up the 17th fewest pass yards per game with 180.3. And Plumlee uh, might be back here this week, um, which actually I think hurts the pass volume for this offense. So I'm not starting O'Keefe. Uh, I'm sitting Sean Tucker, who has not been hashtag pleased with his performances as of late. He's just not getting the volume. He hasn't hit 20 attempts since week five against Wagner. And outside of that game against Wagner, he only has four touchdowns in, in the other eight games this year. Like just not producing at all. They're not giving him the receiving volume that he can handle. Like it's really funny for all the wonders that they've worked with that offense this year. They've totally nuked Sean Tucker's viability on a week to week basis, even though he's had like a decent season. Definitely not what we expect from him. So I'm sitting Sean Tucker. Yeah, uh, staying in that same game, I'm sitting Aronde Gadsden, um, wide receiver for Syracuse here in this one. Um, Syracuse is spiraling a bit. They've lost three straight. Uh, and according to head coach Dino Babers, uh, Garrett Schrader has, quote, an owie. Um, yes. Is that really what he said? Yeah. Um, so there, I'm not sure if he's going to play this week here. De uh, Carlos Del Rio Wilson was bad last week. Uh, eight passes eight completions for 23 attempts for 120 yards gadsden had five targets and no catches and florida state has a good pass defense they allow the fifth fewest pass yards per game with 165 yards so i'm sitting gadsden this one um so as someone who suffered through the entire pit game uh with my dad this weekend um carlos del rio wilson was not as Bad as the stat sheet suggests, but he was still very bad. Okay. Um, to say that he has zero pocket presence would probably be like like underselling his <laughs> lack of pocket presence. Granted, Pitt was basically breathing down his neck every play, but they have uh, a very good front seven. To totally clueless. Um, totally, totally, totally clueless. Um, not a Jeep or not a not a power five quarterback. Feel pretty good about that one. Um, Dominic Richardson, I'm sitting. Returned last week. I think people might be tempted to, to, to start him since he doesn't have the little red flag next to him anymore uh, on fan tracks. But he's playing Iowa State. He's been a pretty good defense, uh, defense this year. Uh, they slow the game down. So I think fewer opportunities. And the thing about Richardson is he's been very touchdown dependent this year. And it's not like 70-yard touchdown dependent. He's been like three-yard touchdown uh, dependent. I don't think he's going to get as many of those opportunities this week. So I, I think it'll be a, a, a weaker uh, performance from him. I am also sitting Dominic Richardson. Um, my notes, 5.8 points last week. If he ain't scoring, he's in trouble. So like you said, very, very touchdown dependent. Iowa State rush defense, 18th fewest yards per game, 110.6. Ninth fewest points allowed per game. They slow the ball down. They slow it down. OK State, actually an underdog in this one. So that kind of makes me think that Spencer Sanders might not play again this week. Uh, which would also hurt Richardson in this entire offense. Uh, I actually also had Gadsden, so oh, um, I'll okay. just kick this one back to you. Yeah, I, I actually don't know that he's going to be startable the rest of the season, depending on what happens with Schrader. Like, yeah, it's going to be tough. He's not. He's he's not that good. Like he's just been big and kind of beating guys up that way. But he's not. I don't like people were talking about him as maybe a Debbie guy. I don't see any of that on him at all. Fair enough. Uh, my next sit here is Will Rogers, quarterback, Mississippi State. Uh, he goes up against Georgia. What'd you say? Office reference. Sorry. Um, he goes up against Georgia. Georgia's pass defense allows the 15th fewest yards per game. They're very good. Um, Rogers put up nine and six 
fantasy points in two of his last three. Those were against Bama and Kentucky. Uh, he offers absolutely nothing with his legs. So if he's not scoring touchdowns, he's kind of in trouble. And I don't think he's going to get the, get it in this one. I think Georgia still going to roll this team. Next up for me is Devin Neal. And this is another one of those. If you had a big week, you might be tempted mm-hmm. to again by Mr. Devin Neal. But let me tell you why you're wrong. So first off, weirdly enough, he had seven targets in this game. And he turned into six catches for 100 yards. He can do that. <laughs> He's not had more than two targets in any other game this entire season. I have no idea why all of a sudden he was targeted seven times in this game. But I don't they think they should be targeting him. They should be, but I don't think they're going to they, continue to do that. Either. I think this was an anomaly. And that he ran for 222 yards last week. Like Great performance all around by him. But that was just shy of 30% of his total on the entire year in one game. It just has not been that level. He doesn't get that that kind of volume week in, week out. Um, so I'm sitting Devin Neal. You are going to be tempted by last week. You saw that that big amount on your bench. And you're saying, I'm not going to get burned again. Don't fall for it. Do not fall for it. I like that one. Uh, my next sit here, Talia Tagovailoa, uh, quarterback for Maryland. Uh, Penn State has a good pass defense. So their 235 yards allowed per game is, is middle of the pack, but they are 14th in pass in defensive pass EPA per play and 34th in defensive pass success rate. So they are a good pass defense despite giving up average volume. Um, in the last five games that Talia has played is 10, 18, 28, 23, and seven fantasy points. The 28 and the 23 were against Indiana, very bad team and Purdue, um, whose pass defense isn't great. Um, but he also brings nothing with his legs. So if he's not getting it through the air, he can't help you out. I don't think this is a week to start Talia. I'm sitting Daywood Davis. He's had five or fewer targets in three of his last four games. He's been under 60 in each of those three. And the one game that that he had more than that wasn't much better. I believe he had like 64 yards. Uh, Just has, uh, they're spreading the ball out a lot more. It seems like it's kind of at this point quarterly and then everybody else kind of rotating through. So I just, in a a playoff matchup this week, I don't think you can afford to start Davis, even though they do play uh, Rice. I'm just, I'm I'm a little scared. I am a little bit scared too. Felix Felix fleeced me in one league. Uh, I was a pl- I'm a playoff team looking to make a push. I traded. I think it was a fourth for him, supplemental fourth, and he has not been great since I've gotten him. Wow, you um, sucker! My last start, right? Last start or last sit? I mean, I think I have eight for you. I have one more, and I went first, so. Um, all right. Well, let me, I'll, I'll figure out the total here in a sec, but my next one is Toa Tawa running back for Nevada, uh, going up against Boise state. He only has two games over a hundred yards on the year here. If he doesn't get multiple touchdowns in a game, he's, he's in trouble. Um, there's four games where he has not had multiple touchdowns and he was under 13 fantasy points in, in, in all four of them. Uh, Boise State gives up 104.6 rush yards per game, which is 12th use in the country. So it's not a good matchup here. Sitting Toa Tawa. Uh, last one for me is Tyon Ty Evans. I tried this last week and he scored not enough to be like a hit if we said start, but too many if we said to be a sit. Uh, Louisville plays Clemson. Clemson is going to be pissed. Uh, I have a feeling that's really not 
a fun practice to be a part of this week if I had to guess over at Clemson. Um, and they have a pretty good rush D overall. I know they got they got carved up a little bit last week, but I think they'll um, I think they'll lock down this Louisville uh, rushing attack. Um, yeah, and then doing some quick math here on this one, I do only have nine. Thank you for doing the math. Yeah. Nine. Um, so read yours off, and then I will come up with one here real quick. Okay, I'll read real slow. Read real, real slow. Kendry Miller. This is like a uh, in memoriam. <laughs> <laughs> Isaiah Winstead. <laughs> Uh, Raheem, Sand- <laughs> Raheem Sanders, Sean Tucker, Dominic Richardson, Devin Neal, Daywood Davis, Tyon Evans, Trey Palmer, Aranda Gadsden. Man, um, you read a little faster than I thought you were going to here. All right, I got it. I am going to sit both of the App State running backs, Cameron Peoples and Nate Noel. Um, they've been splitting those touches a, a lot. It's, it's tough to know who's going to get the lead, uh, who's going to get the most amount of carries in each game. And then they also get Marshall this week. Marshall is the second best rush defense in the country, allowing 78.7 points per game. Uh, and they allow the six fewest points per game with 15.6. All right. Um, so, so I'll read yeah, off. Yeah, should I read off all of them? Yeah. Yes. Please. Okay. Um, both of the App State running backs, Seth Hennigan, uh, quarterback for uh, Memphis, Trey Palmer, wide receiver, Nebraska, Ryan O'Keefe, wide receiver, UCF, Aranda Gadsden, wide receiver, Syracuse, Will Rogers, quarterback, Mississippi State, Dominic Richardson, running back, Oklahoma State, Talia Tagovailoa, quarterback, Maryland, Holton Allers, quarterback, ECU, and Toa Tawa, running back, Nevada. All righty, guys, that is going to do it. For this week's show, make sure you're checking out everything that we have to offer over at campusdecanton.com. Um, everything at uh, the Campus Decanton YouTube page, everything, uh, articles, you know, videos, um, podcasts, just everything we've got going on. A reminder, if you want to get in on this Bijan Robinson jersey you have until this Saturday uh, to do so. And that's when we'll be giving it away there. Again, the last three ways to win, review the show on Apple Podcasts, promo code C2C on prize picks when you sign up, or call into our better sports show, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern every Saturday morning. We'll be back later this week with Canton Bound. Until then, guys, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Have a good one.